it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we do every dang day from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up to bring you another big day of top-shelf radio in a bottom-feeding political world. And that race is picking up speed in Washington, where Corrine Jean-Pierre got out to the podium yesterday with a straight face and said she found out about the documents when you found out about the documents. Come on, don't bullshit me. Who knows? Maybe she's telling the truth. Dana Perino, a former White House press secretary, is going to stop by to break down the KJP presser We're also going to hear from Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs, who was one of the holdouts in Congress. If you remember, you know, people weren't exactly sending, you know, edible arrangements over to the Biggs office uh, during that holdout. It was I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Seriously, if they sent an edible arrangement to Biggs that week, he might have wanted to hire a food taster. Uh, But we will find out. Uh, what the deli is now that the 118th Congress is back in session. We will also take your calls, text, tweets, carrier pigeons. You know how it works. If it's going on in the country, we're discussing it here. We don't care what your point of view is. We don't care who you vote for. That's not what we're doing on this show. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. Say it every day. Every day. You could be a Republican on this show. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a That is all. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I just got off the TV with Harris Faulkner, who was celebrating her two-year anniversary. Naturally, she closed the show with the best guest they have. That is offensive, and it is not true. Oh, come on, a cheap shot. It's going to be a chippy show today, but I was on the Faulkner Focus moments ago. If you didn't see it, it will be on the Fox Cross America Facebook page, where we have also posted clips from last night's appearance with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. I was on Gutfeld last night. I was also on Waters World with the great Judge Janine, who, of course, also loves me. That is a lie. Whatever. The biggest lie being told right now, as we get underway, is whatever comes out of Corrine Jean-Pierre's mouth. That's true. That is true. And I want to be clear. I've been very critical of her since the moment she was brought on to replace, if you remember, Jen Psaki. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. A lot of people feel that way, not just my son. And, you know, the White House really put her at a disadvantage when they essentially appointed her as a diversity hire. They were like, we want a black woman in this position which is fine. That's great. I think we're all behind that. It's 2023. But the point is, you shouldn't get a black woman. You should go out and get a a good black woman in that she's qualified for the gig. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre might be a wonderful person, a pleasant gal. She might be fun at parties. Maybe she does like an Oddly well, like she does impressions. Like maybe she does like a, a Michael Jackson impression. You're like, he's totally false. Or maybe even like she likes Joe Pesci and like she meets me at a party and she just looks at me and she's like, You're killing yourself the way you eat. Y'all fat. F- look at you. Maybe that's a spot on Pesci from Corrine Jean Pierre. I do not on any level denigrate her personally. I'm sure she's wonderful. Okay. But she's in an impossible position because they undermined her out of the gate by saying, Well, you know, she's a 
you know, White House press secretary because she's the first black lesbian we've had in this position. Listen, there's plenty of things we've never done before. It doesn't mean we should do that specific thing, meaning, yeah, go out, get a black lesbian. That's fine. Wonderful. Okay, but I think get someone who's more equipped for what they're dealing with here. Because the truth is, this gig is not the one she signed up for. She signed up to be the diversity hire where the press went easy on her because in the Democratic woke worldview, you can't criticize anybody that checks multiple boxes. Everything woke turns to And the Biden administration is finding that out now because what had started off as a, hey, we're the press, we're going to show up every day and ask you what it's like replacing Trump, who was literally Hitler, Now she's facing real incoming fire from the press as it pertains to this Biden document scandal. And to be clear, not only does she look in over her head on a regular basis when she's answering menial questions, but in this situation, she not only looks overmatched, but she looks underprepared. And what I mean by that is she doesn't seem to be getting full intel briefings that would equip her to either A, answer these questions honestly – Or B, find a reason, you know, maybe the DOJ puts out a statement giving us the timeline on this Biden document seizure. Maybe the president himself gets out there and take questions. The point is she's in a bad spot because she doesn't seem to either A, know the the real story or B, be capable of telling it. So let me give you some of the clips from yesterday's presser and explain why it's just getting worse for them. Um, If you remember last week, she got out there and said what? The document search is over. We found the documents. We went to the FBI. No more documents. Wrong. Okay, that's what she was sent out there to say. But then we found out not once but twice that no more documents stood for some more documents. You got to do better than that. And that's where the press started yesterday. It's clip one. Last week, um, you told I think it was Phil that we all can assume, the American people could assume that the searches were complete and all the documents had been recovered. Uh, on Saturday, the White House Counsel's Office uh, uh, said that five additional classified documents had been found. Uh, is it safe to assume now that all the documents are uh, uh, have been recovered, all the official records, all the classified documents are back in the custody of the National Archives, or are more searches underway to find out if there's anything else there? Look, I, I understand your question. We have addressed multiple questions from here. Multiple questions have been answered by the president. We're not. I'm not going to comment from here. Girl, please stop talking right now. That's the voice in her head. Being like, don't give them another morsel of information. They're clearly in a damage control posture right now where they're going to try to hide behind the fact that this is an ongoing investigation by the DOJ. We're not permitted to discuss such things. You can answer them. But understand that in that moment, okay, and in the ensuing clips I'm about to play you, she's not being asked about the DOJ. She's being asked about the positions and the statements released by this White House of which she speaks for. That's the problem here. So let me give you a little more of this because people, I mean, man, oh boy, oh man, the press getting a little more aggressive with her and she didn't sign up for this. Like I'm telling you, okay, if you put this in police terms, being the White House press secretary under a Republican is that you're a street cop. You're going to go out there and do gritty police work, buy in busts, you know, stops and frisks and break up domestics. It's going to be heated. You're going to earn your paycheck. You're never going to have an easy day on the job. Okay, if you remember Donald Trump's first day as president, the day he got inaugurated, 
Okay, if you remember this, they were attacking Sean Spicer because someone took a picture in the Oval Office and a body was standing in front of the bust of Martin Luther King. And everyone in the media ran out and was like, they got rid of Martin Luther King. I told you they were racist. That is a fact check false. And literally someone was standing in front of the bust at the time the photo was taken. But that's how Sean Spicer's relationship with the press began. Welcome to the White House. Why are you erasing black people on your first day in office? The media is a bunch of losers. The point is manufactured controversy. Defend yourself against this manufactured controversy. You know nothing about it. You can't possibly be prepared for this. But every day you get up to that podium, we are just coming at you with every gun in our arsenal that we haven't already shipped to Ukraine. Now, a Democratic press secretary is just, you know, if you like pina colada, you're just hanging out. He's, you know, getting caught in the rain, having a nice time. The press is always like, what is it like working for such an honest and decent man? President Biden's such a good guy. (laughs) Is it challenging just having so much decency around you? It's a cream puff gig. You are not a street cop doing street work. You're a house mouse. You signed up to sit at a desk, order Chinese food and watch the Yankee game. That's what a house mouse is considered in police work. It's a guy who doesn't go out on the street and make arrests and get his hands dirty. It's a guy who stays inside, okay, studies for all the sergeant's tests and the lieutenant's tests and continues to get promoted. And maybe one, one day with any luck you become the mayor in New York City like Eric Adams did. The reason rank-and-file cops don't respect Adams is he didn't do police work. He was a house mouse, okay? White House press secretary under a Democratic president is traditionally a house mouse gig. They're never going to get rough with you. Think about it. Barack Obama gave $50 billion in cash assets to Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Really is. But the New York Times, the Washington Post didn't ask a single solitary question over whether or not it was a good idea. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. So you can forgive Corrine Jean-Pierre if she didn't think the gig was going to take the turn that it has. She showed up to crowd surf into the room and basically answer questions about why all the Republicans are white supremacists. And explain why Biden couldn't get through happy birthday without knowing the words to the song. That was the gig, all right? When they signed her up, when Saki handed it off to her, she was like, look, okay, you could lie about everything. Okay, but Biden is going to wander off script from time to time, quit talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished. You're going to ask what he meant when he said things like, We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal. You know the, you know the thing. But that's the gig. Okay, and that's what Corrine Jean-Pierre thought she showed up for. Hey, I'm a diversity hire. You can't criticize a person of color. You can't criticize a person of color who also happens to be a lesbian. So I basically have like a force field. You know, when you play tag as little kids, you're like, you didn't get me. I've got a force field. But then one of the other kids is like, no, dummy. That's not how tag works. Well, in a normal world, that's not how White White House press secretary works. When things go sideways, you are going to have to step up and do the gig. So here is some incoming fire. Uh, Tamara Keith, of course, throwing right at one right at KJP, right down the middle. Here it is, clip six. Are you upset that you came out to this podium on Friday with incomplete and inaccurate information? And are you concerned that it affects your credibility up here? 
Well, what I'm, what I'm concerned about is making sure that we do not politically interfere in the Department of Justice, that we continue uh, to be consistent over the last two years, and, uh, and that is uh, continue to refer you all when it comes to an ongoing process. Uh, and, uh, and I'll just leave it there. And let's not forget, there was actually a statement from uh, the counsel's office uh, that you all had at the same time as well. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f***ing question. And what is she really trying to say there? I can't acknowledge that I gave you that inaccurate and incomplete information because that in itself becomes a story. So they've taken a woman who's already in over her head, and now they're sending her out to the podium for all intents and purposes. She is a human shield for this administration, and they know it. Okay, she's being forced to take on questions that she knows make her look terrible because it's giving journalists something they can, you know, take their emotions out on instead of Biden. Okay, here's the end of the presser. It's fantastic. She's getting yelled at uh, for saying six times something that turned out to be false. Listen to this. It's clip seven. See you guys tomorrow. You told me six times that turned out to be false. Are you sorry about that? I'll see you tomorrow. Come talk to me. I'll see you tomorrow. You told us something six times that turned out to be false. Are you sorry about that? And what is he really saying? You suck, you jackass. This is the deal. And on some level, I feel bad for Corrine Jean-Pierre, but I'm hoping it opens everybody's eyes to the fact that we have to bring back a meritocracy. Yes, of course you want people of color and people who lead alternative romantic lifestyles, if that's the right parlance, in positions of power. As long as it's not that weirdo stealing everybody's luggage that was in the Biden administration. But the point is, okay, it's fine to appoint anyone to anything if they are qualified. But if you're going to go out and appoint people who seem to be in over their heads, you can't always rely on the fact, as the Biden administration did, that the American people aren't going to get upset if they screw things up. You know, for further reading, check out our transportation secretary, Pete Booty Judge. Pete Booty Judge is pathetic. At the time they appointed him, everybody's like, oh, it's the first gay transportation secretary. Hooray! But then the trains started breaking down, and the planes stopped taking off, and the roads got jammed. And everybody started saying to themselves, hey, why did we put a guy in charge of the roads named Pothole Pete? I think he's got a point. Okay, and the point is... Diversity inclusion are wonderful, and firsts are wonderful. But when things go sideways, what you've got to understand, especially when it comes to the White House press secretary, is if you're the White House press secretary and the president's popular, you're popular. That's great. But if the people in charge have no idea what they're doing, then neither do you. And that's the hard lesson KJP is finding out right now. She was already in over her head. But so are her bosses inside the White House. Anybody who. I'm Kamala Harris and I approve this message. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Busy day on the show. Dana Perino joining us in the next hour. She herself 
former White House press secretary, so she knows what KJP is up against. We're also going to talk to Andy Biggs. But here is KJP with a straight face telling reporters that she found out about this updated information the same time they did. Okay, that's the claim here. You were lying your ass off. Okay, clip five. I provided I provided the information that you all had at the time. You didn't and know. I confirmed. No, I did not know. I'm saying I had the information. I actually said this to Cecilia. I had the information that you all had at the time. Right? And so this is why I also said to Cecilia, this is why we are trying to be very prudent here and we're trying to be very consistent and say this is an ongoing uh, legal process. And this is why I say we're just not going to comment from here. That is a perfect example in Cecilia's question. And I was very clear about that. Uh, when did you learn about the documents found at the Penn Center in November and in Wilmington in December? When your team was, in, was uh, doing a story on it. You can't handle the truth. I mean, that is not when she learned. And if if it is when she learned, just to be clear. Okay, you're telling me they sent a White House press secretary out to the podium with no background at all on what she could potentially be questioned on, given that this was a Democratic president mishandling classified information. The very thing Democrats were saying the former Republican president should die in prison for doing. That's like really like if you, you know, kind of pull away from what we're in right now, this whole fog of war thing of where's the scandal going to go? Where are they going to find documents next? You know, the bigger takeaway for me is always how, you know, when we have the double standards that we do, they really become dangerous for our country and that we start to accept a lot of garbage from our elected officials, from our Justice Department, from our institutions that are supposed to make this country great. If Donald Trump mishandling classified information warrants a raid from the FBI with guns drawn, sirens blazing, camera crews in tow, okay, if we need to go full rush hour two, like it's a Brett Ratner, you know, sequel, (laughs) smoke grenades and everything else, then the idea that Biden could do this, his own lawyers could voluntarily do the searching at a thousand dollars an hour and turn into the document, turn in the documents really speaks to a double standard. When there's a double standard, there's none. So, you know, people who think they're benefiting from this because their Democratic president isn't getting subjected to the scrutiny of a Republican president need to realize that it doesn't benefit you. Okay, because if we've got people in power that are compromised, you're compromised, whether you voted for them or not. So the point is, we need to hold the people we've elected accountable because Republican or Democrat. Okay, the only thing that matters is that we're all Americans. Everybody in this country thinks they are special. Nobody to be part of a team. Not on this show. It's the morning show that uh, overslept. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, well, well. Look who's back in action. A big Wednesday episode of the show. Just got off the TV with Harris Faulkner. And I am now on the radio spending some you and me time. 888-788-9910. If you want to dive in, be a part of this shindig. There's so much going on. We got Dana Perino. We got Andy Biggs. 
Uh, I got a lot of projects I got to talk to you about at some at some point. Like my career has just gone so crazy, man. Uh, and I only mention that uh, <laughs> I said this yesterday. I had a lot of stand up dates going up, uh, and the reason I'm always promoting them and I'm always inviting you to come is because me going on the road and doing stand up is how I remain like who I am, like regular guy. You know, there's two things. I spend a lot of time with Jenny and Lincoln, so much so than more than you can even imagine. You know, people are like, oh, you're always on TV. When do you see your family? Like every day all the time uh, because TV hours, as crazy as it might look to you, are a lot better than taxi driving hours. You know what I'm saying? There was a time when I was driving a cab during the day, doing stand-up at night, working 84 hours a week behind the wheel before getting into the comedy club to tell jokes. Believe me, okay, this version of Jimmy is a lot easier than that version. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. But the reason I'm always talking to you about stand-up is because stand-up me is what I come from. It's my background for the last 20 years. You know, I am a feral cat, and I have been domesticated by Fox. They have taught me how to coexist in a, you know, big giant team environment with all these studios and people and staff. And, uh, you know, I no longer, like, eat the furniture or pee on the rug. You know, I've been domesticated. But stand-up is like my opportunity to get back outside and kill a few birds, drink, drag home a few mice, you know, row. That's what I'm row, That's what I'm doing. Uh, and it really is, uh, it helps balance me out. Uh, it's a big part of who I am. So when I promote all this crazy stuff and tell you to come down, I mean it like you're doing me a favor. Like, <laughs> you're going to laugh, you're going to have a good time because I'm fantastic at it because it's all I know how to do. Uh, but it's a favor for me because it's like I get to go back and be, you know, regular Jimmy Fallon instead of this guy that that's surrounded by hair and makeup 24 hours a day. Believe me, uh, it's a lot of, well, it's not a lot of hair. They've kind of given up on that. But the makeup team is getting overtime because every time I walk into a, a chair and sit down, they look at me knowing they've got to put me on TV in five minutes, and they're like, this could be a problem. <laughs> they just get to work. But there is no makeup uh, if you come to the Carson Nugget. It is Saturday night, February the 4th. You can see your radio buddy. We're doing two shows in Carson. We're going to play a little blackjack. We're going to smoke some cigars in the lounge afterwards. That's a true story. So if you come out to Carson, you're going to get a lot of FaceTime with your radio buddy. And then in February, uh, we're at Fat Cats up in Utica. That's Friday night, the 17th. Uh, Saturday night, the 18th. We'll be doing the show live from WIBX. It's going to be epic. And then in March, March the 3rd. We are at the Federal Way Performing Arts and Events Center in Federal Way, Washington, which is Seattle. So you can come out and start a tent city, create your own country. They do all kinds of wacky stuff out there. You're welcome to come do it with me. March the 4th, I'm flying south to Sacramento, and I will be at the Crest Theater. And you might see some other Fox talent at that show, uh, some of whom are native to the Sacramento area and are making a trip just to see me. I'm flattered. April the 7th, I will be at the Tower Theater in Bend, Oregon. My man Bart Ferguson says he's going to be there. If he's not, he's dead to me. So, Bart, if you're listening, I better see you at the Tower Theater. Uh, That is Saturday night, April the 7th. April the 8th, I am at the Egyptian Theater. That is in Boise, Idaho. And we're going to be hanging out hard in Boise. So I hope you can make it. And then we're back to the East Coast, April 21st and 22nd. I am at Bananas in Bergen County, New Jersey, for four shows that weekend. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Nobody digging what's going on over at MSNBC right now or any media outlet that's trying to run interference on the Hunter Biden connection to this document scam 
and the fact that the investigations into Hunter Biden are intensifying. Andy Biggs is going to be here in the third hour of the show. He's on the Judiciary Committee, and he is tasked, along with guys like Jim Jordan, at looking into what went on in Ukraine. Hunter's a dirtbag. And the reason what went on in Ukraine does play a role in what went on in Delaware, potentially is because Hunter Biden's own documents show that he was paying $50,000 a month to rent Joe Biden's house. Now, understand the fair market value, according to Zillow, is $7,600 a month. So if someone's paying you $50,000, which is essentially $4,300 extra, $43,000 extra dollars a month in rent, that would lead one to believe they might be paying you for something besides rent. Are you the big man, Joe? That's the concern here. Now, according to everybody who's tried to run interference on the Hunter thing, what they keep telling you, and Jen Psaki was saying this way back when, okay, is Hunter Biden is not an employee of the White House. So why are we even talking about Hunter Biden? Why? Because Hunter Biden is accused on record by name in emails, in photo, and in hard evidence of banking transactions of involving his father in his overseas dealings, in selling influence in this White House. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And the point is, okay, when you come out and you say, well, Hunter's his son. Yo, 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 yo. Hunter is not being accused of being related to Joe Biden. Hunter is being accused of doing business with Joe Biden, attached to that business. Correct, mundo. So let me give you Simone Sanders doing, I mean, listen, I know the Olympics aren't for a few more years, but they're already having tryouts apparently in the gymnastics team. Simone Sanders wants that gold, and she wants it hard. Let's start uh, with clip nine. Look, I think that uh, this is some, this is not new, right? Uh, when President Biden was a candidate running for uh, the presidency, this is something that Republicans tried to rally around. I think it's important to remember that Hunter Biden is a private citizen. He is not on a government payroll. Uh, he does not work for his father in any capacity, whether private or government. He's just his son. And that was a disgraceful performance. It really was. Hunter Biden's not on the government payroll. He doesn't work for his father. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Really, though? Why? Why? And you should be. But why? Because you understand, I don't know. I'm a responsible broadcaster. I don't know that Joe Biden is compromised. But if Joe Biden's compromised, we're obviously all compromised. Okay? When she says things... Like when Biden, this is not new. When Biden was a candidate for the presidency, Republicans, yeah, they did. Republicans tried to make a thing of it. And what did the Democrats and what did the MSNBCs of the world do? They killed a story that they knew was completely and totally true. That's not right. Okay, every single outlet that told you the Hunter Biden laptop story was fake before the election turned around after the election and wrote lengthy op-eds mentioning the fact that it was real. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. And Simone Sanders is no better than those newspapers in the sense that even now, when we've collectively acknowledged the Hunter Biden laptop was real, she's still telling you nothing to see here. But you understand the Hunter Biden laptop being real means the emails are real. The emails say Biden was getting a 10 percent kickback at a time he was a member of our government as vice president. 
Okay. Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter Biden's living, breathing business partner, has come forward to say, oh, no, the Jim Biden, Joe Biden, they were totally trading on the family name. They were getting all kinds of shady overseas money. Hunter was giving that money back to his dad in a myriad of ways. The reason they're going after Hunter is not because they just have some vendetta against Hunter. It's because he is specifically tied to the guy in charge. That's the point. So when Simone Sanders does the gymnastics, and it's so intellectually lazy. This is the thing about the people on the left, and I do mean this. Okay, it's not a knock at the people on the left. We all lead lifestyles, okay? Conservatives lead a more rough-and-tumble lifestyle. They like to hunt, you know? They like good old American muscle cars. You got to get under the hood and work on them with wrenches and get your hands dirty. You know what I'm saying? They like hands-on sports, tackle football, Friday night lights. You know, that's who we are. DIY projects, you're building stuff in the yard. Okay, that's who we are. Old-fashioned fist fights. Remember, fist fights, God, the world was so much better. I'm not espousing violence, but there are so many people that benefited from a smack in the head and some watery eyes because it was just a reminder that, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, well, well maybe uh, don't be a You know what I mean? And that was it. Nobody had to get shot. Nobody had to get in a fight. Nobody had to get canceled. Nobody had to get unfriended. Eh, You just got slapped and you behaved better. Okay, and again, I'm not espousing violence. But the point is conservatives are on board to this day. A lot of them, you're not supposed to say it, but a lot of them are spanking their kids because you want your kids to grow up with some healthy respect for authority and an understanding that if you act like an a-hole, bad things can happen. Bingo. The left is teaching people, no, go out and sexually assault someone with a knife. And if the cops show up and get in a violent fight with you and you wind up getting shot, you're not the bad guy. They are. That's what's going on right now in our country. What the hell is the world coming to? But it's a lifestyle. The left is lazy. Yeah, they'll go to the gym and post a picture of them drinking some organic farm-to-table smoothie with a cage-free egg on top of it. Okay, but they are intellectually lazy people. Tell me how to think and I'll think it as long as what you're telling me to think makes me feel better than the people who disagree with me. That's the whole point of modern liberalism. Everything is a branding exercise. Okay, do this or you're a racist. We're saving the planet. We're good people. We're better than those other people that aren't saving the planet. Here's a newsflash. Okay, I mean it. Nobody's saving the planet. Okay, planet's going to be fine. Okay, we've got our own issues. The planet's going to do its own thing. It's been here for billions of years. It'll be here billions more. At one point, it'll be like BSing with other planets around the water cooler. Remember humans? They were funny. Okay, but the point is everybody takes positions on the left that are lazy, that are dealing in moral superiority and self-righteousness. That's how the vaccine mandate became a thing. It rallied the base after the Afghan troop withdrawal faded and failed horrifically, and they lied to our face. Joe Biden got on TV and was like, that was the most successful airdrop in the world. Everybody's marveling at our prowess. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. And even liberals knew it was bad. If you remember, that's when they started pushing the vaccine mandate. They went from, we don't want a vaccine mandate, we'd never mandate a vaccine, to all of a sudden they were like, vaccine mandate! Because it allowed their base to get mad at somebody else. 
and say, hey, we know better than those dirtbags. Those dirtbags are getting people killed. If you don't get vaccinated, you should be shamed because that's how much of a danger you are to society. Do you remember that? That was a thing, okay? Not getting vaccines. It's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. F*** them, f*** their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. We have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Shame on you. (laughs) I'm surrounded by idiots. And again, when you listen to that self-righteousness, they're not speaking from a place of fact. Okay, they're speaking from a place of moral superiority. Just feed us something. Tell us how we're better than other people and we'll go out there and run with it. That's what politics have become for liberals. They are intellectually lazy people. Most of them are so lazy that even after we now know, even after Twitter itself has established that Russia did not appear on Donald Trump's behalf in any way in the election. First, we had the Mueller probe fizzle out three years ago. But Twitter, and I'm not talking about Elon Musk Twitter, I'm talking about the old corrupt Twitter, was flat out telling the the Democrats and the people, the Adam Schiff's of the world, the James Clappers, the John Brennans, hey, don't get on TV and say Russia. We have nothing on Twitter that says Russia's helping. And every one of them got on TV anyway and was like, Russia, Russia, Russia. That's just how white folks will do you. And the point is, some Democrats are so intellectually lazy that even after Mueller disproving Russian interference, even after Twitter disproving Russian interference, they'll still get on Twitter right now and they'll tell you Russian interfered. Because they don't want the energy of having to think critically, of moving on to the new established, informed perspective on the issue. That's why they get away with things like, oh, Hunter Biden, he's not in government. This is a waste of time. Because to a group of intellectually lazy people, that makes sense. You go, yeah, what do you mean? What do we investigate? The guy's not even in government. Even if he broke the law, even if he did bad things. What does that have to do with anything? Let's move on to the next thing. Who's a racist? Who's a transphobe? Come on, what do we got? Come on. I'm getting off the treadmill. I hate myself. My wife doesn't like me. Give me somebody to be mad at. Come on. And that's what modern liberalism has become. Okay, and understand, it's just a grievance movement. But that grievance movement, the one that's giving them endless supplies of digital dopamine, just shoot up those likes straight from your phone on Twitter for saying you know better than the bad guy, it caters to laziness. Okay, if you are a lazy person, you take that at face value. Oh, yeah, Hunter's not in the government. Nothing to see here. But if you are a rugged individualist, as most conservatives are, people who get out and hunt, people who get out and make stuff with their hands, people who get out and fight crime, people who get out and fight for the country, okay, people who are out there living the active life of a conservative, they're willing to invest one extra billionth of a second to think beyond the intellectually lazy narrative of Hunter's not a government employee and think to sentence two, but who does he know that is? Oh, wow! And that's why this is all garbage. When they say, oh, Hunter, Delaware, what does it matter? It matters because if a guy is selling influence in our government illegally— And he's renting a house in Delaware where classified information is stored illegally. And the guy happens to have a drug addiction, which means he's willing to do things for money illegally. 
Okay, then there is very much the potential for Hunter Biden to be the linchpin that brings down the whole house of cards. He knows what he's talking about. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Got Dana Perino coming up in the next hour. It's a big step up in class for me. You know what I'm saying? Talking to the former White House press secretary. I was a guy who would know, like, the Waffle House press secretary, which is basically just a hooker ending her shift, drinking a bourbon while she waits for her hash browns, uh, which is fine. Uh, shout out to Waffle House. Greatest night of my life happened in a Waffle House with the late, great Kevin Meany. I'll tell that story in the next hour for real because it's been on my mind. Somebody had asked me about it off the air, so here it comes. Uh, but as we continue to have this discussion about the Biden stuff, the border stuff, which we're going to be doing with Andy Biggs. Everybody just needs to understand, especially in news, this news cycle, because it's so fluid. We're getting constant new information. You know, what I'm trying to do, and we're going to do this with Perino a little bit when she gets here, is I'm not trying to traffic in conspiracy, but I am trying to traffic in the known. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of people saying like, oh, they planted these Bidens on docu- on Bi- you know, these documents on Biden because they want to get rid of them. I don't know that that's true, so I can't really speak to it as like I know that for a fact. But what I do know is true is we're a year and a half away from an election, and we have a guy right now who's historically unpopular in his own party and is in his late hundreds. So I don't doubt there's a motivation to get rid of him, but we got to see what Dana thinks because she's the adult in the room. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do every day from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. We are getting taped up for an old school radio barroom brawl in this hour of Fox Across America. Dana Perino is going to be here, a former White House press secretary who will be giving a report card to Corrine Jean-Pierre. She is so bad at her job. But is it? The fault of the Biden administration. We'll ask DP when she gets here. She's, of course, the co-host of America's Newsroom, a show you will see me on tomorrow morning. Uh, We normally go on every Monday, uh, but we had a little bit of a scheduling snafu this Monday that may or may not have involved the NFL playoffs and one of the co-hosts being out in Cincinnati watching a game and needing to catch a flight home. Listen, I'm not going to tell you too much, but the point is, if you like me, Bill and Dana, doing TV on Monday mornings, you'll probably get a kick out of watching us do it on a Thursday morning. So tune in, give your radio buddy some ratings, would you? And if you want to call into the show in the meantime, 888-788-9910. We begin not in this New York studio, but across the world in Davos, Switzerland, where that gang of billionaire yahoos is getting together again to pat each other on the back for the myriad ways they're saving the world. They're crazy. Oh, they're nuts. Not only are they nuts, but most of them, the John Kerry's, the Al Gore's, are full of Okay, let's start with John Kerry on this one. And there's a reason we're getting into this. Okay, with all the things going on in this country, you might say, Hey, Jimmy, why are we heading out to Switzerland for this Davos thing? Because in the age of globalism, 
Okay, what these idiots decide affects economies in multiple countries. In fact, some of the biggest countries in the world, except for when it comes to climate change, because China and India, the two biggest polluters in the world by a margin of five, have nothing to do with any of these emission standards or any of these climate pledges. They don't care. Okay, we're yelling, we're going to save the world by decimating our economy and giving up our energy independence. But none of it matters because China is just opening coal mine after coal mine after coal mine. And do you understand if we all live on the same planet, our cuts don't matter. The planet, think of it like a swimming pool. Okay, down in our end, we've created a no peeing section. Hooray. Congratulations. The only problem is we're attached to the other end of the pool where they're doing all kinds of peeing. So guess what's happening in our end at the end of the day? Good guess, kids. Good guess. But here's John Kerry. You talk about a staggering sense of self-importance. John Kerry explaining to the other rich people who flew there in private jets so they could shack up with the hookers who flew commercial. John Kerry is there explaining that they're answering a higher calling, okay? They have an almost extraterrestrial purpose of being when it comes to saving the climate. You know, these guys that are polluting more than you and me. Clip 25. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. That was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> ah, when you start to think about it, we're a select group of beings that were touched at some point in our lives. That This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. I mean, John Kerry, come on, man. I mean. Would you shut up? See? <laughs> If you said that to most people, yeah, this is the deal. Okay, you understand. They don't want to control the weather. They want to control you. That's how this works each and every freaking time. I admire your honesty. If this is a climate emergency, think about it, emergency. When there's an emergency, you do emergency stuff. Okay, if carbon emissions at a time of a climate emergency are going to accelerate the demise of mankind, people kind, I'm sorry, don't cancel me. But if that's the case, if that's the world we're living in, if that's the hand we're dealt, you don't turn around and go, but, you know, not me, though. I'm going to continue to fly private all over the world, and my carbon emissions will be 25 times the size of 300 people flying on a commercial jet the same distance. Democrats are so full of crap. All of them. Again, if it's an emergency, and we got to stop it, the emissions, bad, can't do it. 
Okay, understand, every individual who flew in a private jet caused 24 times as much pollution as you did and I did wherever you flew commercial this week. 24 times as much in a time of an emergency. Okay, if you are to believe it is an emergency, okay, you don't exacerbate the situation. You don't call 911 and go, hello, 911. There's a guy in the store swinging a sword. We're going to go ahead and give him an axe, too. No, it's bad. Get here soon. It's an emergency. The guy with the sword, we're going to give him an axe next. Then we're going to give him a bat. And then uh, we've got this old musket laying around, so what the hell? No, if it's an emergency, you do everything you can to stop the emergency now. You are correct, sir. But what these guys were touched by, and I do mean this because we were touched by something. Well, I've seen a lot of the guys at that convention, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say it wasn't a woman. Okay, they were touched by something. It was not an attractive woman. (laughs) Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. No, what it is is, this is crazy, but John Kerry, you know, he's an heir to the Heinz ketchup fortune. As Daniel Turner, the climate, the, excuse me, the Power of the Future executive always makes fun of the climate activist by saying John Kerry is on his ketchup plane because he married Okay, the heir to the Heinz ketchup fortune. People who are obnoxiously rich, okay, even the worst, most despicable tone-deaf idiots like Al Gore, okay, a lot of them do feel some sense of inner guilt about just how prosperous they are. So the way they deal with the guilt is by giving their influence and their power a bigger purpose, by deciding that, well, it's, I shouldn't feel guilty. I'm saving the world. I was put in this unique position to save the world. I'm going to tell everybody to go out and save the world, what they've got to do, who they need to listen to, what they've got to eat, how they've got to travel, what they've got to inject into their bodies. I'm saving the world. But do the people saving the world follow any of these initiatives? The answer would be no. Barack Obama is a good example. This guy has been telling you the sea levels are rising and we're all going to drown. Okay, the dude just built two beachfront mansions in the last four years. Don't be thick, all right? That's what he did. Okay, if you really think the sea levels are rising, do you blow $30 million on a beachside mansion in Martha's Vineyard? I, I don't think so. I mean, if you go out, do you go out to Hawaii and invest, I believe it was $22 million in that compound, knowing we're all going to drown any minute now according to your policies? No. Deep down, they know they're not controlling the weather or the environment, but they love to control you. These are people that wanted power that are out of traditional political power. John Kerry ran for president in 2004 and got his ass handed to him by George W. Bush. Okay, Barack Obama was, of course, a president, not a particularly good one at that. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is, Barack Obama out of power remains in power by getting out there and stumping and advocating for the policies that he championed in office. And it allows him to continue to exert control over the people. Okay, and that's why they do the garbage that they do. They don't adhere to anything they're telling you, which, again, if it is a climate emergency, it's an emergency. Okay, you don't take your time. Okay, not only do you not take your time, you know, but you don't make it worse. They're making it worse. Listen to Al Gore, though. And Al Gore is my favorite one of all of these guys because, you know, you talk about a self-hating white liberal. Al Gore, what does he have in common with John Kerry? Another guy who ran for president and didn't win. 
Okay, so what did he do? He said, well, I'm going to get power a different way. And Al Gore immediately went on a climate crusade. Post-presidency, he made a documentary called An Inconvenient Truth. He won an Oscar. He was saluted with a standing ovation for telling us we had a climate emergency, and if we didn't change our ways, we were all going to be dead in 10 years. (laughs) That was 2003. We've now made it to the 2023 mark. Okay, understand, Al Gore, who was telling us in 2003, in 2004, in 2005, okay, you got to cut back. You got to cut back. Come on, guys. We're all going to die. You got to cut back. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, what was Al Gore doing but running an electric bill at his Tennessee mansion that was so high it made Las Vegas look Amish? The Vegas Strip looks Amish. Looks like you can churn some butter, milk a cow, and get kicked out at 5 o'clock because they're going to go do the stuff that good people do. Amish are fine people. Make wonderful products. We patronize them frequently when we're in the Midwest visiting Jenny's family. But the point is, Al Gore, like John Kerry, like Barack Obama, is full of You got to cut back. I'm telling you, we got to cut back. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to fly my private jet across the world. And then when I get back, I'm just going to turn all the lights on for the hell of it. Okay, everybody in the Democratic Party when it comes to climate, they're Frank Drebend in The Naked Gun. Do you remember the movie The Naked Gun? Great Frank Drebend police squad. (laughs) They're in the hospital. And oddly oddly as this is going to sound to some people, O.J. Simpson at one point was a celebrated actor and was in a comedy called The Naked Gun. And in this particular police caper, O.J.'s character is banged up. He's in the hospital. And Frank Drebin says to his wife, I can assure you not a man, woman, and child and police force is going to rest until we find out who did this to your husband. Now, come on. Let's get a bite to eat. <laughs> the climate people are the same thing. Nobody's going to rest till we get this climate under control. Now, come on. Let's fly home on the private jet and turn on the lights. Bingo. Here's Al Gore being completely full of it. Clip 29. Enough already. Enough. And I don't want to get sidetracked onto what needs to happen, but we need to scale up climate finance, but we need desperately to scale down anti-climate finance. And we are still subsidizing the burning of fossil fuels globally at a rate 42 times larger than the subsidies for the shift toward renewables and EVs, uh, et cetera. We need new leadership at the World Bank. We need them to uh, scale up the leverage and vastly increase the amounts that are are committed. And we need to rein in the anti-climate activities of the fossil industry. Shut up! Will you shut up? Because here's a newsflash. All Al Gore is saying there is... Please give us money. That's all climate change is. We need new leadership at the World Bank, so I'm going to lead a campaign to get us that leadership, so... Please give us money. And then we need to scale them up and leverage and vastly increase the amounts that we've committed to the cause. Please give us money. That's all this is. They are apocalyptic preachers that never stop sending around the wicker collection basket. That's the difference between a scam evangelist who says the world's going to end like December 19th, Give me your life savings. I'll hold them for you so they don't get lost when we board the spaceship out of here. Okay, the difference between climate change guys and the apocalyptic preacher is the apocalyptic preacher has the decency to go away for a few months 
after we don't fulfill the doomsday prophecy. When the spaceship doesn't come and the world doesn't end, he doesn't show up the next day and say, there'll be two collections at today's mass. Okay, but Al Gore does. Al Gore does. He shows up and says, no, as a matter of fact, there are going to be three collections today. Because this got in so bad, the spaceship couldn't even make it here. That's what this is. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. And people who need that liberal self-righteousness of we're saving the world. We're better than these Republicans. Yeah, what Al Gore said when he was on the private jet. Okay, we're going to give all the money to those guys. You're all a bunch of grifters. They really are. And the people financing this are all a bunch of morons. Pay up, suckers. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Buy your own damn fries. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon and Dana Perino is coming by to class up the joint the next break. Her opening act is from North Hero, Vermont. Mike is on the line. Yo, Mike. Mr. Fela, how are you, sir? <laughs> Better now. Uh, how are things up in Vermont? I know you're one of the three people who aren't driving a Subaru right now. <laughs> uh, you are correct. I'm driving a Honda. That a boy? I've got a good Honda. I grew up, my dad, we had a 87 Honda Accord back in the day. It was a Honda Accord. It was a two-door hatchback. And yeah. uh, a lot of those Hondas, I didn't know it at the time. They're made right by where my wife grew up. They're made in Marysville, Ohio, if you look at the assembly yeah. plant. Uh, so you're actually, you know, employing some Buckeyes. So you did a good thing there, Mike. But what's what's the word on this science stuff? Are you following it? Well, what science are you talking about, Jimmy? Well, we were saying climate uh, because I was talking about how all of these Davos people don't understand science or anything in between. And then I know there were yeah. some Chelsea Handler comments made between myself and Judge Janine last night on Waters World. Um, <laughs> do you, are, would, would you copy off Chelsea Handler on a science test? Well, not based on what I heard. Um, is, is it true that she thinks the sun comes up in the morning and then just comes up again as the moon uh, 12 hours later? <laughs> That's what she said. And I find that so funny, uh, as the judge pointed out, because this is someone who weighs in passionately on issues. This is the problem with celebrities. They're idiots. They don't know anything, uh, but they want you to believe like they know the way and you better follow them or you're the problem. Um, what I think she was trying to do, honestly, between you and me, is I think because there's a in Hollywood, especially on the left now, there's this thing in comedy. And it's the reason liberal comedy sucks is everyone wants to portray themselves as this vulnerable victim. So rather than just telling funny jokes about funny situations we all agree with. That's out of bounds. You now have to demonstrate some type of vulnerability or some type of a limitation to the prosperity she has as a millionaire. So she has to get on TV and not make jokes but say, you know, I don't understand science because she thinks that makes her more endearing to an audience. But you know this. If you go to a comedy show, you just want to laugh. You don't care about their geopolitical takes, do you? I just I hope there's, that she can't be honestly can't be that. Stupid, you know. No, but, no, no, no. But mm-hmm. hey, li- hey, listen. On a moving, moving, moving things along, I guess on a, on another topic. Uh, next time you're talking to uh, um, Teresa Hines, mm-hmm. 
could you could you ask her to keep her husband on a shorter leash? <laughs> Did you hear him with his extraterrestrial "we're saving the world" comments? I'm I like, can't believe the arrogance of that guy. I mean, come on, man. But that's the thing. Like, they don't hear how crazy they sound to normal people. That's why they go to Davos. So all of these self-important idiots can sit around other self-important idiots and no one taps them on the shoulder and goes, by the way, you're nuts. And that's why it's such a popular thing. If he said those things in a room with you and me, we'd be like, all right, that's enough out of you, tough guy. Great call, Mike. Get back under. We'll do it again soon, all right, brother? And as for John Kerry, just shut up. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, folks, I will tell you, it is a phenomenal week to be a former White House press secretary. (laughs) And nobody knows better than our next guest. She is the co-host of America's Newsroom, co-host of The Five. Dana Perino is in the house. Hey, girl. Truly, I think that's the best title. (laughs) <laughs> is former White House press secretary because you get some, yeah, it has some gravitas yeah, yeah. and then you get to just sit back and critique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm usually very gentle yeah. in my critiques of press secretaries because I understand what they're going through. Yeah, and I, I was going to say that, but this is the first question I wanted to ask and then I specifically want to get to Corrine Jean-Pierre. Um, when you watch stuff like this as a former press secretary, I have heard like cops say, you know, they watch police solve a case and they wish they were back in the ring. Are you watching this week on any level hungry for the fray or are you just drinking rosé? And- no, not <laughs> really. Although I do have these like I, I do little role play in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, this is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. But I have a lot of things I would say not in the briefing room. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of things I would say in the chief of staff's office. Okay. Now, this is a great point because the last time you were on, you gave advice. You said, yes, you had said that this administration is often putting her in a bad spot and that she should, if anything, demand an answer from them so she doesn't have to go out there and look so uninformed. So this is the question I wanted to ask you. On some level, um, shouldn't the DOJ be giving her a briefing on maybe the timeline of this thing to the extent that they can so she doesn't look so defenseless up there? I'm sort of waiting for the – this this White House does not leak hardly at all. Yeah. But I have to imagine there has got to be some acrimony between not her and the Justice Department, but her and the Chief of Staff's office. Mm-hmm. Because who he obviously, Ron Klain, the Chief of Staff, knew what was happening. He, yeah. he knew that there oh. were documents, right? Mm-hmm. He made the decision, as I understand it, to not tell her, right? Uh-huh. So now she's caught unaware. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but they're making her go out and defend it. And she's trying to defend yeah. it. So what I would have done instead is to say, like, if, if, the, if the White House wants to do you like that, I would have said, fine. And I'd go to the briefing room say, hit me with your questions. Okay. <laughs> and your question is like, when did I know? Today. I found out when you did. <laughs> yeah. Do I think that's wrong? I do. Well, I wish I'd known. Mm-hmm. I didn't. So there's nothing I can do for you here. But I'll refer you to the chief of staff's office and we'll see how he wants to take your calls. So you're deploying the old, you can't fire me, I quit. Well, or I dare you to fire me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what they've done is they have – look, she's not great, I don't think, of defending herself. Mm -hmm. When you're the press secretary, I always like to think three days ahead. Yeah. So if the lawyers say, um, yeah, so we found some some documents in one office, Mm -hmm. then you have to pretend like you're a lawyer. You have to pretend like your murder she wrote, Angela Lansbury, and say, Mm -hmm. what, you found how many documents? Yeah. Are there any other documents? Mm Mm-hmm. Are there documents at the residence? Are there, and you have to protect yourself and ask all these questions as if you're a reporter mm-hmm. 
going down the road. So I think that, but because she hasn't done anything to defend yeah. herself, really, she's just hanging out there and it's tough. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you. Dana Perino is in the house, the co-host of America's Newsroom, the co-host of The Five. The sun never sets on the Perino TV empire. <laughs> the cooking empire has been known to take some incoming fire, but that's another <laughs> question for another time. Um, I was going to ask you this. Do you think on some level a, a press secretary in a Democratic administration is almost not ready for the type of combat they've encountered because traditionally they have such a, you know, a go-along-to-get-along relationship with the press. Absolutely. And I say this is true of Democratic presidents as well. Mm -hmm. They get so much positive press, they are just shocked and surprised when there's actually a nationwide election. Yeah, yeah. And you find out that, oh, 55% of the country doesn't agree with me? Oh, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. And I know that the relationship in the briefing room is always naturally adversarial. Mm. Uh, but she also has – I used to think of it this way. You know, 50% of your time should be spent defending the president of the United States, the United States itself, representing mm-hmm. the United States of America in that honor. But the other 50% is you have a responsibility through the Constitution in order to protect the access of the press to the president mm-hmm. and to information. That's how our system works. Mm-hmm. And – these reporters are asking questions that they don't want to answer. But because the timeline keeps changing, mm-hmm. you ever seen that in a yeah. cop show? Yeah. Every time there's a timeline change, even if it's minor, uh-huh. you get another eight hours out of yeah. that story. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was something last night at 5.05 p.m., mm-hmm. today at 9.25 a.m. And so now it's just going to keep going. The real shame is that, one, uh, there are people actually in jail for mm-hmm. mishandling classified documents yep. who are probably thinking, why do the former president and the president get away with this? Mm-hmm. When I'm in jail, yeah. there's that. And then also, we've got big problems in this country. Yeah. And we can't talk about them because the White House, basically, this is like catnip to reporters. Oh, yeah, they love this. Because as you said, every time the storyline changes, a new thumbtack comes out of an index card and gets pinned back somewhere else. Yeah, and then the, 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 you take red string and try it wrong. <laughs> pull another, it around like Carrie in Homeland. Yeah, that's exactly – you're piecing it all together. No, it's great imagery. It's fantastic. Well, let me ask you this. Do you on any level – because I don't, just so we're clear. I don't buy the notion that a lawyer saw a document marked classified and immediately stopped reading. I think that's laughable. You'd want to know what was in it, if anything, because you got to defend this guy against whatever he did. It's possible to me, it's most likely to me, that a lot of these documents, if they were, I can't imagine having had a top secret clearance walking mm-hmm. out of a room with a document yeah. because it's just not done. You sign, a, you sign an oath. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that the documents that are there are probably memos. Yeah. That don't have uh, signals, intelligence. Mm-hmm. There's no sources and methods. Yeah. You're not going to find out, like, the back history of Putin's you know, <laughs> affairs. So this that's, is what went on. <laughs> that's very unlikely. Yeah. These documents are probably something that you think, why is that even classified? Yeah. It's possible. Uh-huh. I, I'm not saying for sure. But yeah. I, did, did the lawyer see it and stop reading? Well, the lawyer – maybe. I don't know. Here's, <laughs> I don't Do you know, know James Freeman of the Wall Street yeah. Journal? Uh-huh. Okay. He wrote a great column yesterday, which mm-hmm. is – why would you employ very expensive lawyers who charge by the hour mm-hmm. to go and pack up an office? Yeah. Why would you do that? That is a great question. That's the concern. And it sort of reminds me of who pushed the video in mm-hmm. the Benghazi situation. Yeah. You get to that thing of like, why are the lawyers yeah. packing up the boxes in the first place? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Because when you traditionally understand that moving is a pizza and beer operation, yeah. 98% of all moves were financed through Parmesan cheese and, you know, yeah, some type exactly. of light beer. So, yeah, it doesn't add up to me. That's the part that I think is weird. But I think on some level, they've become a victim of 
you know, they're very much being made to sleep in a bed they made because the overreaction to Trump's classified documents was yeah. a little heavy-handed. They, it was a little much. There was one of the – I can't remember the commentator, but he said that Trump could face execution. Michael Beschloss. He's oh, the historian gosh, on I mean, MSNBC. He was like, These are, this is the Rosenbergs. It's 1953. Right. And now the cat's got their tongue. Yeah, well, isn't it fascinating how quickly, though – there is a unison pivot, though. They do it really well in liberal media. It's so weird. Yeah, yes. Like, if you watch the, the Fox News channel up and down the dial, you will see us differentiate an opinion. But the lockstep on the left is fascinating because it went from mishandle classified information and die in prison to mishandling is fine as long as you get back to the feds right away. It's like a secret bat signal that goes out that only <laughs> they can hear. So I want to ask you this. Like, you know, like when you're hanging out with the Queen of England, if she like twists her ring, she's like, all right, get this guy out of the room. I can't take him anymore. Is there somebody in the Democratic Party that like lifts their handbag and everybody's like, oh, no, we, we've changed the narrative. You know, there used to be I don't know if they still do it, but the, the Clintons. Uh, staffers used to have like a conference call every morning yeah. in the post presidency, uh-huh. and they might still do it right where they would coordinate uh-huh. and figure out a way. I know that maybe they were, they were friends as well, yeah. you know. But I mean, maybe there's something know. weird. But I do think the chief of staff may, uh, even if it wasn't his mm-hmm. direct decision not to inform the press secretary, he obviously was involved in it, and nobody is there to protect her. Like I remember. 43 one time. Mm-hmm. I was I was facing a really tough briefing mm-hmm. because of something somebody else did. Press secretary never does anything. <laughs> and he sat everybody down and he said, everybody in this room, don't do any other work until she has what she needs. Because he would protect me. Here's the other thing. Is Biden protecting her? It doesn't seem that way. Can he protect her? Like, is would he be capable of answering any of these questions Fulsomely with this changing timeline, Mm-mm. I doubt it. No way. Uh, this guy isn't making his way through a verse you know of Happy who, Birthday. You know who's having the best week? Yeah, Kamala Harris. You think so? Because what? what? Yeah. She's not the butt of every joke. Well, that's true. She didn't mishandle <laughs> classified documents. She's sitting there rubbing her hands together, thinking, "Damn, I could become the nominee." <laughs> you got nothing on me. I'm hanging out with the Golden State Warriors. Life is it's good. Like, I'm good here. It's like, oh, sorry about what you're going through. Well, oh. I ask you that as it pertains to 2024. I was going to say, like, who is happier right now about Biden mishandling documents? Is it Trump or is it Gavin Newsom, or is it maybe even Hillary Clinton? I who think is it's happy? Com- I think it's Kamala Harris. I think so really? Yeah. Because you think this? Because she's like, well, I don't look like the dummy this week. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good point. Uh, but I I feel there's no rehabilitating her politically. No. I don't think so, right? She, oh, they're trying. The media tried this yeah, weekend. Politico I read this article. Did you see that yeah, political yeah, piece yeah. that said, Kamala Harris is really feeling that. Now she's cooking with gas. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, actually, she can't now. Yeah, I was going to say she <laughs> We're going to have to change our sayings. Kamala just got canceled. Uh, she's no... cooking with electric stove. That was my favorite one in the world. And everyone, okay, so they do trial balloon stuff on the left, as you know. And then they see what the response to it is. It's like the, mis- the misinformation board. Mm-hmm. Everybody saw the Mary Poppins video of the woman singing, and we're like, hell no. And they were like, we didn't want to do this in the first place. Anyone who says that about the stoves, like they went as far as to take away straws, which means they would take away stoves mm-hmm. under the auspices that if they could get you to agree that your stove was bad, they'd probably get you to agree down the line that your car was bad. Don't mm-hmm. you see that as the long play? Yes. And I remember during the Obama administration, they had a proposal through the Labor Department where uh-huh. they were going to take keep track uh-huh. of kids on farms and ranches and to see how many hours they were working in case that the parents and grandparents and your aunt and uncle at the neighboring ranch were violating child labor laws. S- Stop it. And the uh, r- rural America yeah. went nuts <laughs> to, so. to the extent that Rahm Emanuel, the chief of staff at the time under mm. Obama, put out a statement. This is right before the reelection saying 
We are not doing this now, and I am promising you, if he wins a second term, we will not do it in a second term either. (laughs) They heard rural America loud and clear, so you do have a voice. Well, that's a good point, because they're just calibrated, as you know from growing up out west. Yeah, they are, but the the gas stove thing is happening on a city-by-city basis. It's happening in New York City. Mm -hmm. Any new construction here has to be electric stove, not gas. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. How did natural gas, the clean-burning energy source become dirtier than coal i don't know when did that happen it's you know this is the thing the people that are imposing these regulations clearly don't understand the industries it's like no different than what we've done with outsourcing production to venezuela mm-hmm. it's like it it kind of contradicts two of their principles one is protecting democracy you're empowering a dictator two is you're creating more pollution because if they produce it filthier than we do and you need additional fuel to get it back here You've, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't help the environment. It doesn't help Mother Nature or birthing person nature or whatever we're calling here this week, Dana Perino. This is why we can't have nice things. We can't. None. No nice things. You can have them if you watch America's Newsroom of the Five. One more thing before I let you go. Um, do you think on some level, you know, having watched all of this this week, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, they planted this on Biden. I'm not speaking to that. But do you think on some level the Democratic Party is happy this is happening because there's an appetite to move on. What's interesting is that I think that they had two weeks ago become comfortable with the idea that Biden was going to be mm-hmm. their guy. Yep. And look, he's in a good position, yeah. even with all of this stuff. Yeah, I think I, I think Republicans need to be very clear eyed about this. Uh-huh. Americans usually reelect their president for a mm-hmm. second term. Mm-hmm. His approval rating is oh, like 48, 50 percent at this point. But we'll yeah. see after this week if it goes down a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and you have. A Democratic Party who was like resigned to the fact that he's going to be their guy. So are they happy about it? I think no. Really? I think that if it had happened six weeks ago, like maybe right before the the election. Well, it did happen before the election. (laughs) There you go. And they didn't tell anyone. (laughs) Nothing. Crap. Garland sat on it, ran out the clock. It's no, it's a, it's a racket, man. And so I think that, I think that if anyone wants to make a move now on Mm -hmm. Biden, they better do it within the next two weeks like this is the week but if like, you don't yeah. like it's not he's going to be the guy he's going to so, be their guy so you're telling me all of hillary's cl- classes are canceled at columbia this week <laughs> she's coming out keep an eye on her put Let's, an air tag on her bag everybody's like oh she's going to columbia that means she's finished i'm like yo you know who went to columbia before becoming president dwight eisenhower he was a president of columbia uh, from gosh, 48 to 53 that. yeah there's this, the iconic photo of him waving goodbye to the school to go be president so yeah, that's the photo maybe oh, she's channeling yes. ike Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Dana Perino, spreading all kinds of knowledge here on Fox Across America. Thanks for this. Or theories. <laughs> all kinds of theories. We're back after this. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. The radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Pound for pound, best radio show on the planet. Not because of me. I'm not being, like, arrogant. Really the best because of you. Like, we found a forum where you can really just, you know, the world's on fire and we're roasting radio marshmallows. I used to drive around in a taxi listening to the radio and being like, man, there's a better way to do this. And, I listen, I take no pride in saying it, but this is the way. And it's, again, it's only possible. I had this theory. There were a lot of cool people out there that could have a really good time talking about terrible stuff. <laughs> you know, the world is such a mess.
That is such a mess, but nobody is having a better time than us, you know, and we have no rule. I mean, really, there's really one rule is that you have to have perspective. We're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. It's really the only rule of the whole freaking show. Okay, Uh, you know, you don't have to agree with us. Just be cool, man, because there's so many stupid things going on. You know, we were talking to Dana Perino in the last break about this Biden situation. And, you know, she maintains that, you know, up until a few weeks ago, Biden was uniquely positioned to run again and maybe win again in 2024, you know. And uh, I got to be honest, I don't entirely agree just because the guy would be 82 the day he gets sworn in. And this is how the guy sounds at 80. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with... uh with, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know. But the point being is all of this turmoil, whether it's in, you know, D.C. or out in Davos. We were talking about Davos at the top of the hour. Okay. It's an opportunity for us as Americans to remind one another that, you know, this blood sport of politics where Republicans just hate Democrats, Democrats hate po- Republicans. Okay. Has us overlooking the fact that these politicians work for us. So all of this madness that they're doing is only possible because we are too busy fighting each other to hold them accountable. One of the reasons I'm putting your vitamins in your applesauce and doing this light show where we digest such hard news is I'm trying to get everybody back to a place where we do play that team ball, you know, because they're not playing it over in Davos, Switzerland right now. Let me give you a little more climate stuff because it's so crazy. It, man, I listen to this and I just laugh. Because they all just, they're so important. Here is uh, one of the speakers. This is my favorite one about your position of privilege. Here it is, clip 28. There are doors that we can walk through, but it's important that you hold that door so that someone less privileged than you can walk through it. Metaphors. So something that you can think about is what are you doing in your position of privilege to make the conversation on climate more accessible? (laughs) What are you doing with your privilege to make the climate more accessible? That's what she wants to know of these elite privileged people. And do you want to know what they're doing? They're doing nothing. They're donating money so they can feel good. But do you think any of these corrupt nations like, hey, African village, here's a bunch of climate reparations. Do you think the guy takes the money? And invests it in the weather? The answer would be no. Do you think he gives it back to the villagers? The answer would be no. No, he's going to Hooters or whatever the equivalent thereof. Popping bottles with models, making that money, baby. And that's why you've got to sit here and you've got to call these scams out where you see them, which is exactly what we're going to do. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, baby boy, would you look who is back in action for a big hour, a plus-sized hour of Fox Across America. You can't say big anymore. That What's going on here? Come on, man. It's a, That's not right. It's not right. You and me together on the radio for an hour, I can dig that. 
If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right, girlfriend. 888-788-9910. I'm in a loopy mood. I've been all over your television the last 48 hours. I'll be all over your television in the next 48 hours. But right now, I am here on the radio with you doing what I'd love to do, which is talk some smack about the world we're living in. Uh, this could go sideways. I'm going to need a little backup, so keep that toll-free number handy, 888-788-9910. We were supposed to be talking with Arizona Representative Andy Biggs, but dig this. Congress is actually doing some work today. What the hell did you just say? They've got a procedural motion on the floor right now. Uh, the Biggs camp, to their credit, called in and said, like, we're sorry. Uh, we'd like to come on for a shorter segment a little bit earlier in the hour. Uh, to which we said, the answer would be no. Uh, we don't have time for a three minute interview. I'd rather talk to one of you guys. So if you want to call in in this hour, we'll make plenty of room for you. 888 788 9910. We're going to reschedule Biggs to later in the week. He's one of my favorite guests, and I do love talking to him because he is not. It's funny, but if you listen to guys get interviewed on the radio, so this is not just my show, but you can listen to other shows, and now you can deploy the mechanism I'm gifting you. Okay, high-level politicians have media training. And what media training is is basically they sit them down and put a shock collar around their neck and interview them. And every time they say something that they probably shouldn't divulge, they get a few thousand volts. That's how it works. (laughs) Seriously, that's how it works. So when you're listening sometimes to an interview, you know, you can tell who's had media training because they don't answer questions. They pivot. You know, you say, hey, representative, what's the best M&M? Is it peanut? Is it plain? And the guy's like, well, I think the bigger question is, can we even have M&Ms with what the Republicans are doing to this country right now? And they, you know, they hit you. With, shut up. Will you shut up? And it's just dreadful radio because you're hearing one guy have a conversation and the other guy read a note card. Okay, the reason this show works is because we're not doing that. Okay, we're having like honest conversations. And Biggs is a guy. That if he does have media training, you'd never know it from listening to this show because he's very honest with me, as are a lot of the guys I bring on that are lawmakers. We don't do a talking point show where it's a performance, where I've just got to knowingly throw the guy a bounce pass so he can make some policy point you've heard 4,000 times on TV. No, we're doing something else. So rather than getting a three-minute bigs on, you know, we'll get you a 12-minute bigs down the road is how this is going to work. I figured the kids would be excited. What they might not be excited about is that the Moderna CEO is over in Davos, and he's one of these yahoos proposing the idea of bringing back more vaccines and masks. Okay, here's the deal about COVID, just so you understand. And this is where I want to begin in this hour. I know everybody's sick of talking about COVID. They've had to give it nicknames to make it interesting. Do you know in California, people call it the pandemic. They call it the pandy. Like, for real, like, well, it's during the pansy. For real, uh, you know, with schools were locked down because of the pansy. It's so funny. I was talking to some L.A. people in a meeting yesterday. I was like, wait, the pandy? What is that, Panda Express? What are we talking about here? But I realized people are so exhausted from talking about COVID that they're having to give it nicknames to make it interesting. You know, when like you're in a couple and it's you're not that into each other anymore and the council's like, well, why don't you give each other nicknames? Why don't you do a little role play to make it interesting? That's what we have to do to even make the pandemic interesting. Why? Because we're not getting rich off the pandemic. If you happen to be the CEO of a pharmaceutical company, 
pandemic or the pandy, if you will, is all kinds of interesting because you're making all kinds of money off of that there pandy. That's true. That is true. Here's Stephen Bansell, right? He's the Moderna CEO. And, you know, you're making your company a trillion dollars in two years off an overblown pandemic. It's not enough. You know, there's other pandemics coming. There's more money to be made. And I want you to understand where we're at on COVID. Okay, it is real. It does pose a threat to the immunocompromised. If you are an elderly American with underlying health complications or you are on the Jimmy Fallon diet, as you know, I've been prone to getting a little carried away with food from time to time. I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> Pizza. But the point is, OK, that's who it targets. We now know this. But in the process of selling covid hysteria to the world. A lot of people went out there and was like, oh, we're all going to die. Lock it down. Shut the schools down. Shut the kids down. They'll develop social issues and they won't learn anything. I love the poorly educated. Well, the point is there's plenty of poorly educated. Test scores have plunged. Economies have cratered. People have developed all kinds of additional. Okay, when you look at the excess deaths because of COVID, COVID Okay, and the response to it, the cure was worse than the disease. People put off elective treatments, things that were going on inside of people metastasized and got worse because they weren't allowed to visit physicians voluntarily. You were allowed to protest, burn down a police station, loot a Nike store. That was fine because the pandemic is so complex when it was being made in the Chinese lab. Uh, it knew whether or not you were fighting for social justice when you left the house. But if you left the house to go to church, no, no, the pandemic was going to kill you, girl. Stay in the house. You're, you're in bad shape. That pandemic, unless you are rioting, unless you are burning a cop car, you better stay home because the pandy knows everything else you're up to. That's what they told you. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. And they were grossly grossly overstating the number of COVID deaths in this country. One, because your fear equals their ratings. A lot of money gets made off of your, when you're horrified and everybody turns on the news, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And so they scared everybody to the moon and back when it came to COVID. But another reason the pharmaceutical companies continue to try and do so is because it pays a lot of money. That's what it is. You're all a bunch of grifters. How many times a day we could play that drop? But let me start here, okay? This is Stephen Bansell. He is the Moderna CEO. And uh, he has some words of wisdom about future, future pandemics is what this guy wants you to concern yourself with. Now, it's beyond COVID now. It's even the future pandemics. This is madness. It's clip 30. A lot of countries are forgetting. The pandemic is still ongoing. Still, as we say, no, a lot of people are dying every day. But a lot of governments are moved to other things. And that's a problem because we need investments in public health infrastructure, in healthcare workers, in genomic surveillance. Oh, so can many you stop it right when happen. you get a second, I mean, Justin? Industry can do so, so here's the thing. Okay, did you hear it? Because that's the key caveat. He's very hard to understand, this guy. But here is the thing I wanted you to hear. And this, is, this matters, Okay. A lot of countries are forgetting the pandemic is still ongoing. This is the guy who's now raised the price of a vaccine from $1.50 to $135 a shot. Did you hear me? 
from $1.50 to $135 a shot. This is Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes? That's all, folks. Looney Tunes, okay? You think about the percent increase on the COVID vaccine shot. Okay, so he says a lot of countries are forgetting the pandemic is still ongoing. Why are they forgetting the pandemic is still ongoing? Like they know it's out there. They know it's a thing. It's just that we have targeted data now to specifically know who it affects. So it's not that they are forgetting. It's that they realize they can't get away with a lot of the heavy-handed gestures that exacerbated the problem in the first place. Okay, the Pentagon is allowing members back into the military who refuse to get the vaccine. Why? Because they're just up to speed and acknowledging what we all knew to be true from the get-go. If you're willing to take a bullet for this country, okay, you shouldn't be precluded from doing so because of a vaccine you're going to beat 99.9% of the time whether you're vaccinated or not. Okay, that was idiotic. We're talking about war. Okay, COVID, again, we all know people that have died from it, so I'm not here trying to minimize that suffering. But I am here to tell you that 99.9% of the people who who, who get it will live. They'll be just fine. Okay, but the news scared you into something far worse. Number one, because it was good for ratings. Number two, it was good for the electoral political plight of the Democrats in the summer of 2020. Okay, but number three... Because they are all in lockstep. The rage against the machine crowd has become the machine. Okay, the big left-wing news networks who used to say, uh, you know, we're the party of free speech. We're the liberals. We're the party of sticking it to the man. We're the liberals. Now they're doing whatever the man tells you, as well as what the big banks want you to do, as well as what the big pharmaceutical companies want to do. The people who listen to the band rage against the machine have all joined the machine. You're right. But when this guy, Stephen Bansell, the Moderna CEO, gee, think he's got a couple of coins hanging in the balance on the old pandy? He says the pandemic's still ongoing. As we know, a lot of people are dying every day. But a lot, a lot of governments have moved to other things. And that's a problem because we need, are you ready for it? Investments. In public infrastructure and healthcare workers, in genomic surveillance, and who do those investments go to? Him. Oh, wow! Every single time you hear fear, what you're really hearing is please give us money. That's all this was. Pandemic's ongoing. I'm going to read you the rest of his statement verbatim. So many pieces that need to happen. I mean, the industry can do so much, but we need the governments to really keep at it. Because we all know there's going to be outbreaks. It's going to be because of the pandemic. And we need to be much better prepared. And I'm very excited now that we are building a factory in Canada. We already broke ground in the fall. We're building a factory in Australia. We're going to start a factory this quarter in the U.K. And we're also going to stop uh, start being in a factory in Kenya. We're talking to a couple more countries because I would really like on every continent to have more capacity. So you understand what he's saying is, hey, governments, we need more capacity on every content in the world. Please give us money. Okay. Does it get there any quicker if you make it on the continent or you fly it there overnight? Of course not. Yeah, it costs a little more money to ship, but not nearly as much money as we're now paying in excess vaccine costs. The thing went from $1.50 to $135 a shot, in some cases $200 a shot. And here's a newsflash for you. It doesn't even work. Do you understand? Okay, we have had a Pfizer CEO testify to the European Parliament that they didn't even check this vaccine to see if it stopped transmission. It is not a vaccine. 
It is a therapeutic at the very best. But right now we know for a fact in the last month of available data to us, the vaccinated comprised more deaths than the unvaccinated. So in what world can this guy say, oh, the pandemic's not over yet? We got more factories to build. We got more pandemics incoming. Why? Because he's going to make money off that fear. Okay, but here is, of all places, CNN and Leanna Wen, who has been as big of a propaganda distillery as anybody during these COVID times, flat out admitting what anyone who works in the medical field knew to be true for the last two years. They are grossly overstating COVID deaths. They were doing this here in New York, okay? My cousin's an EMT. Said, you know, way back when, in the beginnings of this, if there was a DOA, where you showed up to a house and someone was dead on arrival, if you wrote COVID on the body bag, if the coroner wrote COVID, if the medical examiner wrote COVID, there wouldn't be an autopsy. They'd call it a COVID death. They'd get additional funds for storing the body. And everybody would go home without having to do any of the traditional work involved with a DOA. So there were guys out there just writing COVID to get out of a night's work. And you understand there were hospitals and companies benefiting because they'd get government funding because it was, in fact, a COVID death. So it was being done uh, for a multitude of reasons. But the point was they were grossly overstating the COVID deaths. Here's Leanna Wen finally admitting it. It's clip 31. Well, this is the reason why this kind of transparent reporting is going to be so important. There is a way for us to look at death certificates and also to look at the medical records of individuals prior to their death. And I think this needs to be separated into three categories. One is the um, the COVID as a direct contributor, the primary cause of death. The second is, could it be a secondary contributing cause? So, for example, somebody with kidney disease, COVID then pushes them over the edge to have kidney failure. That's COVID as a contributing cause. And then the third is COVID as an incidental finding. So somebody coming in with a gunshot wound or a heart attack and they happen to test positive. I think that we need to separate out and look at the percentages of each. That percentage would have shifted over time as well. In the beginning, probably a lot more people were dying with the primary cause of COVID. That probably has shifted. And I think, again, we need to understand this. Another reason to understand this, too, is a lot of people are wondering when they should get a booster next. When do we need a second booster or another booster? And the only way we can for sure is to understand who is getting severely ill and when. So you understand what went on there. She's flat out admitting. Guy got bit by a shark. Ah, he died of COVID. Guy rode a motorcycle right off a bridge doing 90 miles an hour. He took a selfie of himself right off the bridge. Cause of death, COVID. And why were they lying? Because your fear equals their ratings. Your fear equals their pharmaceutical dollar. Your fear equals their political power. And that's why they spread it as relentlessly as they do. Welcome back to Scared at Five. I'm Don Deathly. Sue Strangler is in for Don Drownham. Take it away, Sue. Is there a 45-foot boa constrictor living inside your household plumbing? And does it have COVID? It's a long story, and we'll unravel it later. But first... Do Instagram filters cause cancer? And do the filters have COVID? It's hard to picture, but there's no airbrushing the fact that it's possible. We'll have the photo finish around the corner. But first, can microwave popcorn give you a... And does Ebola have COVID? We'll have a kernel of truth in seconds, but first... A public service announcement about the brain-killing parasite that could be in your drinking water. And if it does kill you, could your coffin have COVID? Find out next on Scared at Five, your home for news so good it's terrifying. 
Common sense from a not-so-sensible man. It's the compassion. It's the, it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the, it's the horse sense of the guy that gets you. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And yes, they're over in Davos trying to push more vaccines on you. Really funny stuff. Get another booster. Get another vaccine. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Most people are. How could you not be? Listen, man, again, COVID, it happened. It's a thing. It's real. But it's not, you know one scintilla of what they're telling you it is. When CNN is on TV saying we grossly misstated the COVID death rates, they were doing that. You understand, this is where our politics deny us common cause. COVID was common cause. It doesn't know if you're a Republican or a Democrat, so if you're vulnerable to it and you get it and die, you got a problem no matter who you voted for. But during the pandemic, during the stages of the pandemic, you have to understand the way the lies worked. Okay, when Trump was president, it was important for you to believe everyone was going to die from COVID immediately and it was all his fault. So they were over-exaggerating the COVID numbers because they wanted you rightly horrified. Okay, you'd watch the news, you'd vote against Trump. That was the hook. When Biden got into office, okay, it pivoted to, no, no, we're getting this thing under control now. The vaccinated are doing great. And, you know, the people who are unvaccinated, they're the problems. As it turns out, the numbers didn't quite work that way. But the reason their positions change is not because of the science, but because of the political science. And they don't think people see through it. But I'm telling you because I care. We've got a bunch of idiots in Washington and our enemies know it. I agree with that. It's America's Life Coach, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. We are having a grown-up talk right now about all things America, but we're going to zero in for a second on CNN. CNN is the worst. All right. Calm it down, Link Man. Last night I was on the Greg Gutfeld show. Our little lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld, who really, I love him. Great friends, but he is. He's a little tyrant. Just gives me a hard time about my outfits. Me and Gutfeld had a really funny experience with our studio audience last night. So last night at the beginning <laughs> at the beginning of the show, sometimes comedy audiences are protective of an act that they like. Like there have been moments in stand-up where like you're doing you're doing a good show and you make fun of yourself and they're just like they don't get it. They're like, Jimmy, is everything okay? And I'm like, no, I'm just I'm making fun of myself. It's fun. But last night it was really funny because in the studio audience for Gutfeld, he said something about me and it just bombed. And I joked to him that I go, oh, it's, you know, this is a pro Jimmy crowd. You can't really take shots at me. And I was just joking. But the crowd went nuts. They're like, yeah, we love you, Jimmy. So I was like, boom, these are my people. I'm going to take a shot at Greg. And away I went. They got upset by that, too. It was really funny. They were like, we were talking about the fact that CNN is considering the idea of adding a comedy show to its lineup because apparently nobody told them that every show they're airing is already considered comedy by the rest of us. 
But the premise of the news article we were reporting on is that CNN sees the success of Greg Gutfeld on Fox and thinks that could be the path forward for their channel. Wrong. Okay, I'll explain why. But in the process of us covering this story, I said to Greg, it's amazing that everybody wants to walk a mile in your shoes now, but they can't because they're a size two. And the audience was like, oh, that's really mean that he's, he's short, you know. Like they didn't get, you know, it's just a joke. I wouldn't get a shot at him. But we had such a good studio audience last night, they didn't want us making fun of each other, which is all me and Greg lived to do, you know. And uh, it was really funny to watch. But the minute we pivoted to CNN and everything else, of course, that's where the, the fun happened. And it's a great bit. I mean, I posted it. Uh, on the Fox Cross America Facebook page, uh, there was also something on my Twitter feed about why Joe Biden <laughs> was so mean to the Republicans on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, it's all out there in the ether. If you follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Fela, F-A-I-L-L-A, or if you go to the Fox Cross America Facebook page, you could see them both. But I don't want a sandwich board for my social media presence. I want to explain to you here on the radio why CNN is considering comedy uh, for real, for real, and why it cannot work, okay? People took shots at this. It wasn't just us. One of my former colleagues here at Fox, uh, Megan Kelly, she talked about this. She was doing a show, and uh, she waited in this on her podcast or whatever the hell she's doing over there. I know she got a lot of money. She went to MSNBC. Uh, excuse me. She went to NBC for some big dough. And they were like, this is it, girl. She has taken over the media. She ain't never going to be stopped. She was like the CNN plus of, you know, news takeovers in terms of her presence at NBC. They had her out of there. It was like, I don't know. She got over there at the beginning of the year, like three months into it. They were like, get her out. Get her out of here. Just tanked horribly. And I'm not taking shots at her. I want you to understand. I think she's very good at what she does. This is not me picking a fight. In fact, I agree with the position she's about to take here. I'm just telling you, you are what your record says you are. And uh, nobody, nobody in media is better off after they leave Fox News because we have a really loyal audience because we tell them the truth. Like, everything we get accused of doing is what the other networks are doing. It's classic projection. Like, Democrats are like, oh, Fox News, a right-wing propaganda machine, as they jump on every liberal grenade that gets lobbed into the White House. No way. Joe Biden's the best. <laughs> he would never mishandle classified information. That's the Trump thing. Orange man, bad. You know, who ran the Russian collusion hoax for three years? Wasn't Fox News. And they said we were just in the tank for Trump. No, we were in the tank for the truth. Okay, when they were telling you vaccinated people couldn't get or spread COVID and Fox News was like, now hold on now because we're seeing vaccinated people get COVID. Everybody was like, oh, Fox News is trying to kill you. And it wasn't that. What we were trying to do is give you an honest conversation. That's what we do. That's why people listen to us. I know that's not the attempted outside caricature, but everything the other networks accuse us of doing is exactly what they're doing. That is correct. So let me explain that to you, okay? When it comes to comedy, we are, all things considered, what we are when it comes to news. We are on the side of the everyman who just wants an honest conversation. Now, I'm not telling you Megyn Kelly wasn't one of that as well. Okay, but she went to a network that didn't feel that way. She went to a network, 
okay, that hated her for showing up with big money and a big profile from Fox News. Dun, dun, dun. Because you understand in those liberal elite media circles, you know, we're the bad guys. That's why I loved the White House Correspondents' Dinner so much. I told you last year it was amazing. We went to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and the Fox News delegation, it wasn't big. It was like me, Emily Campagno, Kennedy, Kat Timpf, you know, a lot of cool executives that run this place. But you understand in media, we're outnumbered like a thousand to one in terms of the presence in D.C. And when we walk in, we are very much the away team. They are not happy to see us. But here's a newsflash. It's still amazing to be seen because our little army is kicking everybody's ass in the ratings. And that, in a nutshell, is why nobody's better off when they leave Fox. You might get more money to go over to the other side, but you become irrelevant. Nobody cares. Who cares what Megyn Kelly's doing? She's over on Sirius with Howard Stern. Howard Stern, who used to, you know, consider himself the king of all media, is now just a whiny, elitish jackass. He is the Prince Harry of all media, is what Howard Stern now is. But here is Megyn Kelly. I wish her no ill will over on that platform talking about CNN hiring a primetime comedian. Clip 35. It would be amazing if in this era where they think they're appeasing Republicans and trying to get Republican viewers and independent viewers to come back to them by hiring some Fox, not some Fox, but some Republican contributors. You know, they've hired a couple of GOP contributors that then they they give two hours of their primetime to John Stewart. Okay. See how that works out with the people you're trying to win back. Okay. You've been warned. I've gone on record. So has Glenn. See how that works out. It's not going to go very well. Listen, she's not wrong. Okay. CNN, like MSNBC before it, is selling confirmation bias to white liberal elites who hate themselves. Okay, they want you to believe they're pivoting back towards the middle and they're just calling balls and strikes. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. But the bigger reason it won't work is not because it won't appease their core audience. It's because liberalism is not funny. Okay, and I mean that like I get I've written TV shows. I've performed in thousands of venues. I'm a regular guest on the highest rated late night show in the country. In fact, oh, by the way, I hate to flex But I happen to be, you know, the namesake of the most, you know, fastest growing radio show on the planet of Earth right now, partly because it's kind of funny when you listen to me because I sound like I'm getting paid in Tide Pods and cheap tequila. Then I bring on my potty mouthed kid, my crazy wife and all my dirtbag friends. And it's real radio for real people. And the truth is I know a lot about comedy. And the problem with what liberals have done to comedy is they've allowed people who don't do it to define the rules of engagement. Meaning comedians don't set the rules. You hear a lot of things in comedy like, oh, you've got to read the room. You know, you get up there. You're going to do this. You got to you got to read the room. You know, that politician speaking early, he should have read the room. (laughs) Comedy is a leadership position. Your job is not to read the room. Your job is to lead the room every single time. You're the only one with the microphone. You set the terms of the negotiation, the rules of engagement. You establish the sensibility in charge of that theater or comedy club. You do not read the room. If you want to go to a controversial place, you lead the room to a controversial place in a responsible manner that lets everybody know you're bargaining with them in good faith. You're not doing this to be malicious or harmful or hateful. You do have that obligation as a comic, but the point is if you want to be truly funny, you can lead the room anywhere the comedy happens to be. You know, comedy audiences are a herd of grazing buffalo. 
Got any grass to chew on here? No. All right. Let's meander over to the airport, do some airport jokes. Gobble, gobble, gobble. All right, we got any more jokes to chew on here? No? Okay, let's go over to the rental car counter. Gobble, gobble, gobble. You can take them anywhere. Okay, let's go over into trans rights. Gobble, gobble, gobble. You can joke about anything you want if you're bargaining in good faith and you've established a genuine, you know, genuinely funny comedic sensibility. But what the Democratic Party has done, what classic liberalism have done in abandoning the tenets of free speech is they have restricted the amount of targets that their comedians can shoot at. Nowadays, it's that you're not supposed to make fun of things. Like, what do you mean? Dave Chappelle told jokes about the trans community. Oh, hell no. We're going to march on Netflix. We're going to cancel his ass. He ain't going to do it no more. But it didn't work because the people at Netflix realized The cancel crowd was always a tyranny of the minority, meaning 99.9% of people who consume comedy are doing it to get an outlet from the torments of everyday life. They want to escape. They want to laugh. They want to take the power away from things that bother them in the world, just the same as they want to celebrate ridiculous things that don't necessarily bother them but occur in the everyday world. And when comedians go to clubs to provide that outlet to people, We've always known, always known, even during the cancel culture craze, we always knew it wasn't a lot of people getting mad. It was some people. We incentivized outrage. We incentivized grievance because for a while there, victimhood was a cultural thing. It was a status symbol. I'm offended. Give me something. Netflix, I work here. You booked a comic. I didn't like his joke. I want a promotion or I'm walking out. And it worked for a while. You know, companies capitulated. They gave them what they wanted. But then the CEOs ultimately came to realize, hey, we can't – every time there's somebody upset in the break room, revamp our programming lineup. We can't fire the most talented people in the world, the folks with the guts to get on stage, take a chance, and expose themselves to the vulnerabilities of live performance in front of an audience full of strangers. You know, the creative process flourishes because there are folks with the balls to get out there and take a shot. We're not supposed to, you know, cater to the people who don't have the balls – Okay, that just want to sit back and criticize them to feel better about themselves and gain some type of currency in their, you know, little, you know, liberal group therapy session. No, we should reward the creative. We should reward the risk takers. So comics always knew that. And ultimately, CEOs came to learn that it was not going to be the way forward because every single time somebody told a joke, you had to run the risk of somebody getting offended. And now the truth is, so you know, nobody's offended. Nobody's genuinely hurt or offended. When they say everybody's so soft, now they're not soft. They've been incentivized to claim they are soft so they can get stuff for doing it. I'm offended. I want something. But the truth is, and you need to know this, and this is why conservative comedy flourishes, and liberal comedy sucks. Conservative comedy doesn't flourish because it's conservative, okay? It flourishes because it puts funny above all else. Liberal comedy has established rules of engagement. You can't punch down. Don't make jokes about people less fortunate than you. Don't make jokes about marginalized sexual orientations. Don't make jokes about certain ethnicities. Folks, that's not the equality the left thinks it is. When you make fun of somebody at a comedy club, you're treating them as an equal. You're saying, hey, you're in the line of fire just like everybody else. We're not going to put you off in the corner like some infantilized lesser than. We're not going to sit you at the kiddie table. Like, all right, we'll make fun of the guys and the gals, but we're not going to make fun of the trans people. Does that sound like equality? No, that sounds like a pat on the head like, oh. Okay, jokes succeed. 
because everybody in the room recognizes some type of a truth about the subject you're making fun of. That's where jokes flourish. So you understand when guys like Dave Chappelle tell a joke about the trans community, it's not a hate crime. It's an acknowledgement that the country knows everything about them now because they've gone mainstream. It's a sign that you've made it when comics working to the broadest imaginable audience are willing to make fun of you. That's their way of banking on your relevance. Like, do you remember in the 80s, Weird Al Yankovic parodied his song and you were like, wow, that band's huge. He could run the risk of covering your work and knowing the whole country would get the parody because you were that well-known. It was a sign you had made it. It was a sign you had been established. And that's where comedy flourishes, in working in truths that we've all accepted to be. Liberalism wants you to deny truth. They want you to believe there's no biological differences between a man and a woman. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. But liberalism would tell a comic you can't make those jokes. You can't acknowledge that truth. Okay, you can't talk about race or ethnicity or gender identity or climate change or vaccines. So you're endangering things. The only thing you're endangering is humor. Okay, and again, it wasn't comics who made these rules, but the people on the left who took over comedy essentially let the folks who don't practice it define the rules of engagement. You've opened up a steakhouse and you're letting a bunch of vegans tell you what's on the menu. Okay, that's what they did. That's why they're failing. And frankly, it is shocking to me. Okay, because the left used to be the fun party, the rage against the machine, sex, drugs and rock and roll. You know, how fast they've fallen. You think about it. You go back to the 90s. You look at today. You look at the comics. You look at the positions they took. Look at the John, you know, the George Carlins of the world. You know, look at the Bill Hickses of the world. Guys that were just funny, saying far more outrageous things than anything we're saying now. Weren't Republican or Democrat, but nobody was getting offended because they knew the difference between a joke and a hate crime. But the modern Democratic Party just doesn't know. They've lost their way. You think about it. Last week... The Democrats voted against Republicans allowing cigars inside the White House. This is the same Democratic Party that 20 years ago was fine with allowing cigars inside interns. I believe that together we can make America great again. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America. Where did the time go? My goodness gracious. I got so much TV to offer you, man, if you miss me. Uh, tonight, ooh, what am I doing on TV tonight? Nothing. I'm going home to play Madden with Lincoln, hang out with Jenny uh, while we get some work done to my home TV studio. Uh, fancy pants, Jimmy Fallon. But tomorrow morning I will be on Fox & Friends first at 5 a.m. I will be on America's Newsroom with Bill and Dana, who you heard on the show today, at 9 a.m. Uh, I will also be on Stuart Varney at 11 a.m. And I will be on Sean Hannity tomorrow night at 9. And then we are back again on Friday with more Hannity in front of a live studio audience. And Saturday night, I will be appearing on the Brian Kilmeade show, uh, the TV show anyway, uh, One Nation with the great Brian Kilmeade, Saturday night right here on the Fox News Channel. And, of course, I'll be watching football with Jenny and Lincoln in between and having a damn good time. If you missed any of these TV appearances and you want to see them, go to the Fox Across America Facebook page. Uh, we also post them constantly 
at foxacrossamerica.com. That's where you can get all the podcasts. You can get all of our favorite interviews. You can get the game ball that we give out every Saturday. And you can see all kinds of TV and feel better about your own fashion choices after looking at the crap I wear on TV. Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't know why. I don't know when I decided I was just going to become an overweight figure skater, but that's what I look like on Gutfeld every time I'm there. I look like I've showed up to not win a gold medal. Uh, but I do believe we got some type of a trophy for today's performance, and that's the good news. The bad news is it is over. So pay up and get out. And as I say every day, you can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.